spidey senses tingling. He's the host that's only eight years of medical school and four years of residency from giving medical advice to anybody. He's slim. This is the Paper Keg Show, episode 183. Welcome to the show, Paper Keg, where we talk about comic books that we're reading, you know, three fathers. One previous host is dead. It's all we have left is to read books, do a book club together. And talk about it halfway through the show. This week, we're going back. Lady Snowblood. And then we'll read your letters to close out the show. Letters at paperkeg.com. That first voice you heard starting to just have enough of my health advice. (laughs) He is peak physical condition. Nearly died three weeks ago. Jonesy loves beer. Welcome back to the show. Writer. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Uh, You know, it is peak season, so I'm in my peak physical condition, and I appreciate you having me. I had a lovely daytime date with our other co-host to be announced, and I'm feeling good. Wait, did you just allude to a new co-host? Is that what you just said? To be announced co-host, as as in I didn't want to trample all over his intro, as I would usually do, like a rhino on the show. I'm reining it in. Everyone's aware. Everyone is well aware. Your usual trampling. That final unannounced co-host, of course, is Silver Fox. Uh, another father of two, this time. Oh God. VP of merch. Drink VP. We drink. Uh, a VP of alcohol, untapped. We're looking for a sponsorship if you're available. Uh, Dale underscore a welcome back. It's uh, good to be back if... Um, you know, I'm a little frazzled if I, if you notice any cuts on my hands when I hold them up to the camera. It's because uh, for the past two hours for showtime, I was picking up the pieces of my Christmas tree that fell on the floor <laughs> and smashed half the Christmas ornaments all over it. So, Merry Christmas to me. Where's my plastic cup and my hard alcohol? Because I'm just Where w- done. Where were your kids when this tree collapsed? They Underneath. were uh, <laughs> they were on the other side of the room, or in their bed, or in one of their bedrooms playing. And when they heard the cacophony, they came running out, you know, trampling all over glass ornaments and right. uh, dancing like Lord of the Flies okay. around it. <laughs> I mean, it raising it. It looked like something from a Mari Sendak book. Just kids dressed up in their animalistic pajamas dancing. Uh, smashing their feet like some ritual, smashing their feet all over broken glass like it's uh like they're getting ready to fight Tong Po in a kickboxing match. <laughs> I mean, 
burning you an effigy yeah. later. <laughs> Me <laughs> floundering, trapped under the fallen tree because I had gone under there to water the tree. So the tree fell on top of me. I'm kicking my legs and and legs up. Wife All diving for me. All anyone can see is just your size five right. new balances from underneath the tree. They actually thought that was just another ornament, so they just left them there. Uh, what a show we have planned tonight. Christmas is over if you celebrate said holiday. Boy, that just was, happened. It was just like every night this week, wasn't it? I mean, it was... Every night was Christmas. You had your little elf on the shelf, Dealey. Yeah. Your kids probably don't even in the, don't even believe in that shenanigans anymore. Did you just give up the elf? Was the elf in the same position for 30 days? Yeah, <laughs> well, 25 days? Well, we were doing fine until Christmas, and then uh, the Christmas night, we forgot to move the elf for the first time, so he was there <laughs> the next day, day after Christmas, He's like perched on a decoration over top of the front door. My wife opens and shuts the front door. The magical elf falls onto the floor from about nine feet up in front of Grayson. No, but you're not allowed to touch the elf because, you know, the magic will be taken away. So we took some of those um, extended grippers where you could reach up high and and we picked the elf up with those and made Grayson say goodbye to the elf. Oh, While God. he was dangling from the <laughs> extended grippers. Parenthood 101, folks. That sets the bar and for the, the Christmas season right there. Yeah, it sure does. And now he's he's actually... St- and the next day we put him back out just to show that he got out of the you know North Pole Hospital fine. He's yeah. all fine. <laughs> and now he hasn't, moved, he hasn't moved since. So now he's just... <laughs> he's in traction. He's literally still <laughs> on the mantle sitting there. <laughs> Oh, those poor children Christmas. and their shattered dreams. Christmas. Just like that tree. We have a huge show. Our book club this week, Ladies Snowblood, mm. book one, Boy. published uh, recently from Dark Horse Comics, originally from the 70s, the era of that Lone Wolf and Cub. Spoilers. Did you realize that it's the same writer as Lone Wolf and Cub? I did Was realize. Was that directed towards me? Either Dale did not realize. I didn't realize, if I, I can be blunt, until afterward. I read the, uh, I, I recognized the name. Yeah. From the Wikipedia page that you shot recognizing before this episode. Creator names. I'm a big old stinking D-head, and I don't <laughs> deserve to be on a podcast about comic books. That's my... You guys do another name. podcast, before we get into the, sh- the actual show, we talk about books we read. You guys do another podcast, hit Book Jug Podcast. Book Jug, BJ, you guys have BJs all over the place mm-hmm. where you talk about an audiobook that you guys listen to on the way to work. What's the, what's the next uh, book on that podcast? Can you can you tease it out? It's um, William uh, William Buckley's son, Chris Buckley. Uh, thank you for smoking. Didn't that movie have Two-Face in it? It did. Aaron Eckhart? Mm-hmm. I just watched it uh, over the, the holiday weekend because it's on HBO Go. I said, Love HBO I said, let me watch this since I just read the book. <coughs> Jonesy loves beer. Before yes. you cough and die, okay. Uh, what did you read this week? Hopefully, it's not a Shadow Show or a Daredevil or Spider Man. Go, please. All right. So, Superior Spider Man <laughs> issue three featuring Daredevil. <laughs> this issue. Uh, is, of course, the much-touted return of Matt Burdock's site. Uh, 
you know, Iron Man uh, in this title. I didn't even know this was touted. Sorry, I didn't even hear anything yeah. about this. Well, I saw Supreme touted. Wow. So, Tony Stark is in San Fran being a big D-head, as Dale would say. And he gave everybody an app on their phone that gives them a new wireless version of Extremis. And it kind of makes them like, you know, if you look like me, uh, all of a sudden you become good looking with this you app. Get a tan. You know, I lose 400 pounds, get a tan. My hair somehow remains the same. Um, but, you know, so Daredevil's like, uh-uh, Tony, we can't have this. So they get into it. And uh, Tony gives him the gift of sight with this app. So for like less than a day, uh, Mac can see. Like he doesn't have his superpowers. He can just see like a normal human being. Um, Tony pretty much says it's only going to last a day. And, you know, I'm going to get you hooked just like everybody else. Uh, Of course, uh, Matt is like, no, you won't. But he rushes home so he can actually look at Foggy for the first time in his life. Oh, man. Real great emotional ending. Uh, What's even more superb about this issue uh, is that it's all first-person view from Matt. So you see Matt through like a mirror. You know what I mean? He never, you don't get a third-person perspective at all in this book. It's phenomenal. It's uh, maybe, aside from the Daredevil run, one of my favorite issues featuring the character in a long, long time. And it didn't even happen in Daredevil proper. I know. Right? Isn't that strange? In, is that that Tom Taylor cat that did uh, Injustice or is doing Injustice? The writer of Superior is, Iron Man, I it think. It is Tom Taylor. Hmm. Rising Not to be star. confused with Tim Taylor from Tool Time. <laughs> Let's call back, folks. Uh, what a show that was. JTT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jones, your, th- your thoughts ZTB. on... Uh, your thoughts on Screech being arrested for something? I, I actually tweeted about it. That's how uh, appalled I was. You know, poor Dustin Diamond. Who knows what rabbit holes he followed with the that cocaine? Guy, that guy just seems like living scum. It really, All the dealings does. I've ever seen of him on Howard, elsewhere, just scum. Yeah, he would. He'd probably rob you in an alleyway. Yeah, he'd stab you with a switchblade if you had the chance. He needs the uh, money for the cocaine. And it was a switchblade. I mean, what? what, what is he? Uh, <laughs> a, 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 a cast member in the movie Action Jackson? Is he Craig T. Nelson from Action Jackson? <laughs> who has a switchblade other than uh, an 11-year-old who goes to the flea market on a Saturday morning and begs his stepdad to, to buy a switchblade? Nobody carries he, switchblades. He was at that bar. It looked like um, like an Applebee's type thing with pool tables or whatever, but it was on Christmas and he and his girlfriend were just wearing like sweatpants pullovers at Christmas at this bar. What is happening? It's true. It's poor people. Not a life. That. Get That's help. not what's happening. <laughs> God, I felt terrible for them. Uh, Plus friend, the fact that he's in jail. Friend of the show, J-Bo, you'll remember that guy, at Jacob underscore Beaumont, tweeted me almost immediately after <laughs> and said, uh, getting ready for a saw shoe number with a rival gang. Mm-hmm. He must also think that Dustin Diamond is a jet all the way. There you have it, J-Bo. That's right. J-Bo making some Broadway references in my Twitter. I loved it. Uh, my book that I want to talk about is from Not In Dale's Big Two, Image Comics. They have a fresh, hot, and spicy new number one from their publisher. Wrote it. They're not like us. New number one, so it's got that kind of hick mania aesthetic design. You know, hip Which design you love. people. 
not to the Hickmania level of just like circles with a line through it or it didn't even knows. it didn't even have a cover, right? Am I am I understanding that correctly? No, the um they actually brought home the print copy because I wanted I was curious if my wife wanted to read it. I'll hold it up for the YouTube peoples right now. Oh, that's the, Hick, nice. the Hickmania aesthetic actually reminds me of like someone that designed Halo. Like, you know how those boards are always just like big circles and everything was the same. He would have really killed as a game designer back then. Mm. Do we yeah. know if that isn't him? We'll have to get the intern on that, Matt H H H H. Matt Triple H. Uh, so issue one is about this girl on a roof who can't take it anymore. She can't put aside the voices in her head, and she's gonna jump. And so this guy on the roof, this conveniently placed Constantine-ish character in a trench coat who is smoking, tells her that she shouldn't do it, and there's more out there. And she wakes up in the hospital. She does jump off the building, although you can't really tell if that was a dream or not. But the Constantine-ish character is also there, and he takes her out of this hospital. And he takes her to this kind of secret hideaway where other people are there that he says are like her. And they all have um, like telepathic-ish powers. So a lot of them can like read minds. Someone's an empath. Um, they all have kind of superpowers, but are they're very muted in their presentation. They're just kind of re- like regular folks hanging out in this library in this rich mansion. And they all have code names. So it's revealed that this girl isn't really like crazy or has mental issues. She's actually a telepath. And she just hears people around her, and she never realized that was what it was. So everyone thought she was sick in the head, but she's actually pretty normal. Hmm. And um, the secret society is introduced to her, and they tell her, you know, that there's rules if you want to be in here. Um, and not Constantine tells her that one of the rules not is Constantine. to leave your your past behind. You have to actually kill your family. Ooh. And that's how the first issue ends. Wow. I thought it was really good. It started off like really hackneyed with a, and I joke about not Constantine, but like while I was reading, I was like, oh my God, this guy right away, trench coat, knows everything. Get out of here. He stink. And the, the ending actually really saved it for me. I really liked it. So we'll see if it comes out on a monthly basis though. There you go. Simon Gain on art. Really liked it. Check it out. I'm going to check that out. Do it. I, I almost bought it at the, um, at the shop when I was there on Christmas Eve, but I, I did not. Show sponsor. Should have, yeah, at the comic book shop, Wilmington, Delaware. How's everyone doing over there? Were, were you, did you walk in slow motion, throw your hands up in the air, kicking your feet out like some prize stallion? Oh, yeah, I was <laughs> bucking and uh, biting the backs of people I like there <laughs> to show my affection. I uh, Yeah, you know, it was a good time. I got to see them. Right before Christmas, which was excellent, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, told everybody to have a, a merry holiday, and uh, high fived the s out of everyone. Love it. What did you end up reading this week, Dale underscore a Silver Fox? Well, you'll if you'll forgive, I, I do have books to talk about, but I I don't have more because I was uh, picking up the shattered memories uh, in the forms of glass Christmas balls <coughs> uh, while Pagliacci played. In the background, um, such as the symbolism of the uh, Christmas spirit that has left me now. Uh, Spider-Man and the X-Men. I finally got to read this earlier today. And uh, I do 
believe I will enjoy this title. I was my socks were not knocked off, but uh, Spider Man was invited by Logan before he passed. Spoilers. <laughs> um, he wanted Logan to come and uh, basically go undercover at the uh, Jean Grey School for gifted youngsters because he suspects that there is a mole who is filtering information to a, a either S.H.I.E.L.D. or a bad guy. Maybe Cyclops, a war criminal. He's, you know, he has his own beliefs, Cyclops. He's, he's over at um, you know, the Weapon X facility. He's fine. And um, innocence. Oh, you know, nobody likes that he's there. He really got the cold shoulder big time. I mean, I thought Spider-Man was the most likable guy ever. And the staff, cold shoulder all the way. You know, this is a mutant thing you wouldn't understand. And Spider-Man's like, well, you know, but I, mutant or not, with great power comes great responsibility. I'm there to help. He cannot reveal why he's truly there. Only that's between him and the deceased Wolverine. So he is basically like the uh, principal... What's his name? Principal from the Breakfast Club. He has his own little uh, sect of bad students because one of them is possibly a mole and he's trying to be a teacher and figure out who's doing what. And it it takes a really weird turn. He takes the students to a um, a class trip to a dinosaur museum and Sauron and uh, Stegosaurus Man shows up and kind of kidnaps them and takes them to uh, a Staten Island where they're trying to make reptiles the dominant species again. Really, really, in, I mean, a comic booky storyline, but like I said, my my socks were not knocked off, but the uh, the art I liked, and I liked the potential and the premise of this book. Yeah, I was the same exact way. I saw some screenshots of Spider-Man wearing his costume and like a dress shirt, teaching yeah. a class yeah. and just a dress shirt over his costume and I thought I was like this looks like a hilarious idea. Yeah. But my socks were firmly planted on my feet after the first issue. I was kind of bummed that it didn't there wasn't a whole lot more there. It just felt like a little too fast, a little too much all over the place. And it um, it did it really did feel fast, right? I mean, he's he takes them from you know, their lecture room to the danger room to uh to the uh this dinosaur museum all in the course of one comic. I just feel like it could have been yeah. handled a lot better. And I would have been interested to read a lot more dialogue where it right. But he's like already asking students about how they feel about other students in his, cl- in the class to try to mm-hmm. find the mole already. And it just felt a little rushed. Yeah. So hopefully I think, yeah, you're exactly right. I think the potential's there, but mm-hmm. I don't know. The first issue wasn't there for me. Yeah. So we'll see. Who had the uh, writing duties on this one? It's not a normal, like, yeah. name writer that I recognized. Let me see. And I got the um, the iPad intern right here ready to tell me. I've you know, we haven't heard H. from uh, Matt Double H in a while. Maybe he stopped listening to the maybe, show. Maybe he's resigned his intern. I don't blame him. Yeah. Elliot Kalon, Ka- Callan. Elliot Callan. And, there you uh, have it, Jonesy. Marco I think he, I think he did an issue of Dakin that Jonesy read previously. <laughs> oh, yeah, he would be... Dakin. Uh, 
Two sentences or less. Lightning round. The most popular segment in show history. We talk about another book that we read this week, but only in two sentences. Jonesy loves beer. Letter 44, issue number 13. The Soul Man has finally guided this series to the next level. And you won't effing believe the twist at the end. What? I'm like three issues back of that at least. Gen Z is doing some kind of raise the roof movement that is frightening. Lee, good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was about to bust Gen Z's chops again for only talking about the same books every show, but at the same time, I have to give Gen Z some credit for not reading books that maybe he'll hate just to fill time or fill show spots. That's true. I'll do it. Yeah. Just don't do it. Superior uh, Superior Iron Man. I would never read that title. Well, Daredevil was in it, though. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Black. Also, Robert Rises. Science. We can talk about that in the uh, fireside. Eleven. Rick. Mateo. And new colorist. Michael Spicer. Dean White leaving the book. Spoilers. This title lends itself to an omnibus read, not unlike our dear friend Heath. Definitely needs a recap page. Every month, please. Rick, Rick, if you're listening, please. Recap page. Would you know he is? Rick. Rick. Rick, we love you. Here, Rick. The Owl New X-Men, number 34. What feels like this once double shipping book coming out every two months now. I was kind of lost in the beginning. Miles Morales still interacting with the X-Men. Still nothing happening with the X-Men. God, that that, that storyline feels like it's been going on for six months. Really you don't have to comment if you don't need to, if you don't want to. I will say I follow uh, Bendy's Tumblr, as Jonesy likes to call him, Bendy. Apparently that's, that's the what nickname I that he loves. He did say that uh, um, the artist had some kind of thing happen in his personal life, mm-hmm. and they didn't want to do a fill-in artist, so they okay. just kind of let it ride. Okay. I like that. Okay. Although it's interesting that you only really get that detail if you follow Bendy's Tumblr. Like, if you don't, yeah. No, you're just kind of making me like, "Whoa, what's what's going on with all new X-Men being late?" There's no editor editorial page in the back. I mean, at mm-hmm. least not in the digital versions here. There's not. Yeah. Lady Snowblood. You need Dark. to clip that out, make that a sounder. <laughs> I felt like I was it was just as good as Miles Morales. You know who loved that as a text tone on her smartphone? Your wife. Friend of the show, Bex Gordo. Oh. <laughs> Whenever she got a text, Lady Snowblood. Republished recently from our dear friends, Dale's dear friends at Dark Horse, uh, a company that is a part of his big two uh, in the in the early 2000s. Yeah, originally D-head. from... Dale, that big old giant D-head walking D- around with a penis for a head liking Dark Horse comics. <laughs> 
I love how just that I mention it, <laughs> just, it comes <laughs> off as some egregious insult. You dinos. <laughs> Originally published in the 70s by the same, uh, written by the writer of Lone Wolf and Cub, which I did not realize until after I did my extensive Wikipedia research after I closed that tab saying I didn't want to donate. Stop asking me, Wikipedia. <laughs> Jonesy, what's this book about? So, Lady Snowblood, much in the vein of Lone Wolf and Cub, um, is the story of a female assassin uh, whose name I had to Google. Oyuki. Oyuki. I can't say it. Oyuki. And she is a... <clears throat> I can't... I have to close my eyes. Sorry, I can't look at Dale's feed right now. But Oyuki... Uh, her parents were slaughtered when she was young. Mm. And she grew up uh, on the trail of vengeance. And uh, she uses her feminine wiles... <laughs> And her learned skills to take on assassination contracts with the hopes that she will eventually get to uh, rain fiery vengeance upon the people that killed her family and set her down this path of misery. Uh, Much like Lil Wolf and Cub, uh, it is sectioned off into chapters with uh, the B-plot supporting the overall story (laughs) and uh, kind of set like morality plays. Uh, you know, this is not shocking as the author uh, of Lady Snowblood and Lone Wolf and Cover, one and the same. Uh, really beautiful stories. I was surprised uh, by the adult nature of this book as opposed to the uh, earlier writings. Uh, you know, to be honest, at first I thought this was a PK Knights uh, show and I somehow missed uh, the memo, as I often do. But uh, there you have it, Lady Snowblood, female, sexy, wily assassin, uh, on her way to righting wrongs and proving that all men are D-heads like Dale. Desiree, show sponsor. Welcome back. Yeah. So, Jonesy, where would you rank Lady Snowblood with uh, Lone Wolf that we read previously? I would say they're equally amazing. Wow. I think uh, I think Lone Wolf... I mean, this is... <laughs> I think Lone Wolf and Cub will always have a higher place in my hierarchy of my heart because I read it first and discovered it first, but... Uh, this, in my opinion, Lady Snowblood is much more daring and much more adventurous with the material uh, than the traditional nature of Lone Wolf and Cub. I mean, that felt like a parable, like a Japanese legend Mm. uh, that we were kind. It was kind of unfolding for us, and Lady Snowblood just seems more. And this is going to seem strange for me to say, but more fun, like more. Like, the gimmick is I'm going to have this prostitute slash assassin, and she is going to make men pay for her life. And, I mean, I, d- does Quentin Tarantino owe any money from Kill Bill to this book? Because 
that was in my head the entire time that I read it. That this has got to be some source material for Kill Bill. Let's just all listen for a moment. Jonesy, I just wanted to state Jonesy uh, said on record the book with uh, uh, sexual assault happening on every other page was more fun than <laughs> Lone Wolf and Cub. More I, adventurous. I did preface, more adventurous. I did preface and say that it would sound strange. <laughs> I did preface with that. Thank you for prefacing that statement. Uh, the, one, will... the one part where they rolled her inside of a carpet so she couldn't All move right. her arms. Okay, here we go. Wolfie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're, oh. you're, I'll play devil's advocate here, Jonesy. I just really could not connect with this book at all. Okay, uh, the I, it's it's worth mentioning that it keeps the manga reading format, mm. <laughs> which was difficult to pick up for me. Sure. So, if anyone who is unaware, you read from right to left. Um. So yeah, I, full disclosure, I didn't even. Effing realized in the first story. <laughs> I don't know how I honest, made it through. Honest to God, I, I was like, maybe I know it's this is translated. It's probably bad translation, but the story still you could still get something from the story. The whole first chapter I read left to right as well. Right, and I did, the, and the whole thing. I and then when I got to the second story, I was like, oh, this is in manga format. And then I was like, you idiot! How did you even read the first story? How did that even make any sense? Question: Did you go back and reread it? No. Not even. <laughs> um, but yeah, the story just felt like a, for lack of a better word, a poor man's version of Lone Wolf and Cub. And I don't want that to come off as because it was a, a woman leading the story. But well, That's how it's coming off, House Feminist. I know you want that to come off that somebody way, Jonesy. Just just, somebody just targeted You want some kind of ammo right now, anything. <laughs> it just didn't, it just felt like the, I don't know, it felt like the woman using her sexuality as an asset could have been a really awesome tool but the way it was portrayed in this series it didn't or at least the first book it didn't feel uh exciting to me or smart like it there was certain points where uh, maybe she has just obviously deep psychological issues because the first story she gets herself in a scenario where she is a up waiting to be you know plowed by these awful creeps and that's like her plan like she wanted to get in that position to to get these people and there was another part like further down in the story the and maybe it maybe this maybe i'd have a different view if the writer also drew it or i can't remember if this did the artist of lone wolf also draw it or the writer also draw it? i don't i'm not sure i don't think so um, maybe if they so. had the lone wolf artist because the lone wolf artist was like next level and then i mean just various scenes was just kind of hard to to read maybe it's the translation the the, the part with the whorehouse the explanation of how it was hard to get out of i mean it was like three pages of like novelization explanation of this whorehouse and how difficult it is to get out and there was a scene later in the book where she's trying to get to the family that i guess wronged her mother like that's the whole onus of her mission is to eventually get to the people that essentially like kidnapped and raped her mother for three days straight these group of five people now that's real fun right her her mother worked so hard to get pregnant after that happened just so she would have someone to have revenge for her 
which is just mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. And I've never yeah. heard that kind of in story prison. before. Yeah, in she prison. Was just, she's, she was coming on to any man in a women's prison. Just so she could get pregnant, to have someone uh, avenge her, which is crazy. So the there's a scene, I think it's in the last book, where she gets to like kind of the, politic, the political aspect of the book, and she she um, stops a carriage with this like butler and two women in it. And she kills one of the women, one of the women, and then forces like this Butler character to have sex with the other girl. And just to kind of, this was a small piece of her plan. Like him doing his business with this girl would, would play in later. But I was just like, man, this is just kind of unsettling a little bit. Like what? I don't know. I just, that one was like a real curveball when I read it. That last Mm -hmm. portion of that story just felt like the and that story involved her pickpocketing a lot uh which is a huge portion of the story we'll get to it probably but that whole pickpocketing thing in the last story felt like it was null and void when she started going ape ass like beating people up yeah like, well, what the heck what, was the pickpocketing training for i you know just to dive right into it there's the previous issue uh which is the issue the penultimate issue in this uh, collection which i felt was the strongest one and that was her having to kind of humble herself and learn this skill. And it seemed very Japanese cinema where she's got to like put her hand Mont- in like scalding hot water. Training, right, a training yeah. montage. And I thought that was the, the strongest issue. And then when the climax of the last issue happens, she uses that training just to yell a lot before she kills everybody anyway. So it did feel wasted, uh, a wasted issue. And and the the problem is that was, I thought, the be- the most well-written was the one that essentially means nothing to the story. Yeah, the, she just, I mean, the, the writer took a good amount of time to lay these plans in place for the first time out of all the chapters. Like, out of the, basically all kind of like one-shotty stories, but... The plans were really being laid for this one, like Mission Impossible, you know, Ethan Hunt and team are, are like planning this this out. And then it just all goes to H in the end. She, she could have easily, instead of having a pickpocket training issue, you could have had a force someone to rape another woman so that their juices are inside mm-hmm. this person for evidence oh, purposes. <laughs> I mean, that was more s- at play yeah. oh. than the pickpocketing. The pickpocketing doesn't even happen until the end of that story where she's like, uh, where's my, where's my hair, handkerchief? Where's my hat that has my initials on it? Mm-hmm. Where's Whatever. my watch like, oh, from her majesty? Yeah. Okay. There's the pickpocketing stuff. It finally came into play, but, but for no purpose other than, they were already running out to either hard R or kill her anyway. Like, the point that, why would you accuse somebody? Oh, it's them. They did it. Uh, no, we didn't. All right, you're mm-hmm. all dead. Yeah, this... What did you, th- what did you think overall, Dale? Because I think we glossed over your overall thoughts. Yeah, you both had great points. I mean, uh, Jonesy... He kind mm-hmm. of, in my in my hierarchy, in my heart, it was kind of low, like in, in in a pagoda, it'd be low, like on the first level of the pagoda. But then Jonesy, Jonesy certainly did say it was daring, and I, I respect the book for being daring. But as much as I want to talk about the book, there's a whole lot 
of dread that I get wanting to talk about it because it's just it's ultimately going to take the discussion down paths that I don't really know if I ever want to enter into discussion about uh, feminism and misogyny and, and the way women are depicted. I mean, this was, this was made in 73, so we could say that things were a lot different. And it, w- it was Japan, and the well, setting plus, is plus... in the 1890s, I think. Yeah. But every man wants to rape women in this book. It's like a high five in this time frame that it's, it's like almost that's how common it is. Even in lone wolf, you saw groups of men and like that are just in general abominations mm-hmm. to society. And it, it's like every man in this story is that kind of abomination except for the people that are paying her to, to do the, to murder the murder. So I guess yeah. they're all still abominations. And it, and it just in me, it brings up this sense of, not wanting to discuss it because I, I mean, it discussions like that. I mean, aren't probably aren't for our comic podcast and, and I never want to enter into discussion like that. Anyway, it's, it's just, there's a, it's pretty weighty topic. And, but that's all the book is like, it's like the elephant in the room. You know what I mean? Because every man in the book wants to rape her and every other woman in the book. But also, she uses her sexuality in such a way that gets her closer to her prey or her victims, and she's obviously comfortable with that to a degree. I mean, yes, she probably does have a lot of deep-seated psychological issues based on that fact, but, um, but, you know, also it's like, well... But that's the way her character is. But is that is it even okay that that character was ever written like that anyway? And it and it also there's connotations because a man wrote it, and 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 would it be different if a woman wrote it and it was the same thing? Like I don't, I don't know. But I do. I I, it would just be cool if she was just a female assassin, (laughs) you know, and not using her woman tools as um weapons in her arsenal i don't know because it all ultimately led to her being rolled in a carpet a up ready to get ran ard ard you know i mean i guess uh, i guess talking about it makes me think that this would be the inverse of lone wolf and cub where the man is protecting this child and using his ultimate strengths were kind of just like combat he only really had to use his sexuality to that. What was that one scene? I think that really annoyed me was was where he put his child to the side and then had to have, have sex with that woman of the night, <laughs> right, right, in the bathhouse or whatever, right. And I guess if you think of like, okay, so in this world, you know, old Japan, where where the majority of men that we see anyway are just like like unspeakable filth. And I'm sure maybe that was the case. It, it probably yeah, was the case. Right. So, like, what would a story look like if your protagonist was a woman? And maybe this is that world mm-hmm. where the woman is an assassin, but the filth, the ma- the filth is still there. So all they want to do is just like tackle her and just have their way with them. And that's just like kind of an it, it for for the most part that's going to be an unsettling read. Yeah, it's going to be 280 pages of that for that first book. Right. Yeah. Exactly. 
so i mean is it you know she, she did use like kind of for as being an assassin she did try to use her brains in the story like to infiltrate the whorehouse she like lit something on fire to try to get inside and being like to and then like try to put the fire out and she was wearing so that was like her plan to infiltrate was to alert people to this fire try to put it out and then in the process undress to show what she was wearing underneath and then that like lit up the eyes of these men that were running that that thing or the the buyers even of these women and that's how she got in there and the crazy part of that that story was the person that hired her wanted to see how this place was putting them out of business even though the prices were the same and they were using some kind of secret draw for the men that they loved and it drew them it drove them wild they wanted to see what that thing was these women were doing and it was just the two women going at it and that was the, that was the reveal <laughs> right. in my head i was like man what is going on in this this <laughs> ha- this house of ill repute that these men are going there See, the and, comic did its job it uh it got your interest it did and it was just these women going at it and then it's just crazy to see that drawn on the page where like these horny men are watching and and she's in the background just waiting to just get the right guy out of there and just destroy him that would he's dead would it shed any light if you realize that this comic started as a strip in a Playboy magazine in Japan? I I did see that in the Wikipedia, and oh, I was wow. curious about what that the format of that magazine was. Like, I don't now, know, is it a Playboy as we know Playboy? Or yeah, it's from the the Wikipedia tells me that not only to donate, but this <laughs> book was. <laughs> Kind of like it published uh, a lot of news interviews and periodicals and comic strips, but because that it would uh, occasionally do uh, female nudes, that it was considered adult magazine. Hmm. And this kind of seems like I, I mean I read that after I read the first issue because I was so totally lost as to what I was reading. Um, it kind of made it because I read that it kind of made the rest of the book not as severe for me. That actually because yeah. it. Yeah. It almost feels like the author is trying to tell this revenge story, but he's also maybe catering to this demographic that he might not have normally included such severe right depictions That's of actually, sex. But yeah, he, you know what I mean. If he's, if he's getting paid to create that for the magazine, no wonder it's there's like so a, much nudity. You know, yeah, it's like a late night Cinemax uh, flick or something. You know what I mean? That's that actually makes it less severe maybe if i'm i don't know depends on if i, get I mean i need to get my hands on this playboy to really make an informed decision <laughs> i need to see what the content house feminist like. is uh rallying for nudie mags i down. just want to make an informed decision that's all but with that said it does lend credence to the idea that it was serialized in a playboy-esque mm-hmm. magazine and the uh the i liked the story when she kind of used her brains for the rickshaw she uh, she was getting, she was infiltrating and finding out why there were certain rickshaws that were kidnapping women and selling them to the whorehouses, and she purposely gets kidnapped, and then she asks if she can draw or paint on the rickshaws, the certain rickshaws of this company, but it got weird because, like, they were still going to kidnap her, 
she was. She let herself get kidnapped. She let herself get kidnapped. She let herself get exposed and inspected, like to make sure the, that body was good enough to be sold. And then she's like, now that, like, then he was apologetic. Like the owner of the company was apologetic. <laughs> like only after she met his approval or something. It was a really mm-hmm. weird wit written, and I think the, some of the translation was awful in there or something. Yeah, what one one last negative comment I'll make. I did not like the way this is translated because in one instance uh the the storytelling is like poetic and like very how I remember Lone Wolf and Cub being very parabolic in a way, you know, somebody's telling us a morality play and then it would go into some of the most plain, straightforward, dirty yeah. language yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it was, it was, was not... shortened to cuz and yeah. she used pa a lot i think it really took me out of the story it was like a really poor translation i thought too but that that issue that you talked about dale where the she they used the the she used the paintings to put this team out of business it was i like that because the 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 person that hired her wanted that rickshaw company out of business they didn't just want the ceo killed yeah. So this was her genius play to paint, you know, uh, the leader on these rickshaws without approval. So now this company is like blackballed totally from business by the government at that point. So that was really smart that she didn't just kill the the CEO and then have their VP take his place. She she literally put that company out of business. Yeah, it was one of the only times that she didn't pop her katana out of her umbrella and just open up bellies like she actually just let... <laughs> You know the uh, government handle its business and uh, and smartly mm-hmm. got them in a lot of trouble in a different way. I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna. I felt like the art just didn't even compare to Lone Wolf. It doesn't. It's serviceable at best. There, yeah, there were some some good looking panels. Yeah, um, but on the whole, just it's almost hard. It's very. It's it's impossible to compare to Lone Wolf. I think. There was there it was the it ran the spectrum in this book because there were just certain panels with uh, Lady Snowblood, who it was just gorgeously illustrated. It could be a panel or a page of her and her figure, and like the not even an action shot, but just a a beautiful pose. And then you know the uh, some other panels where just these scummy guys look like turds, and they're uh, you know it's just yeah the the art ran the gamut of good and bad but but I don't know if there's a but there's maybe not (laughs) (laughs) but I don't regret reading it the story and I don't regret it at all I'm interested to see what the movie was like because I think the movie series might be more popular than the manga actually so I'd be interested to see what the movie translation was like I wonder if Shogun Assassin was more popular than Lone Wolf and Cub I I, maybe not. I think I don't think that could be true because Lone Wolf is much touted. That word once again. Research touted. that and come back to us with right. some annotated documents next week <laughs> on your findings. I'll uh, have a bibliography uh, for your review. Bibliography. I definitely got led by the nose into that one. Lady Snowblood. We got your letters I'm gonna open them up 
Farrington's gonna read them to you. Letters at paperkeg.com. You want to hear your name on the era. Shoot us a letter. Our first letter comes to us from a friend of the show, Roy. Uh, he writes, Seasons greetings, paper keggers. I was thankful for many things this past year, including this entertaining podcast. Thank you, Roy. I find it amazing how my opinions are sometimes swayed by y- your reviews. When I heard the announcement of Avengers AI, I quickly scrolled through the Marvel Unlimited app. Yep, I'm the one guy that bought it. <laughs> and sigh when I saw the covers. I remembered as each new issue became available, and I panned over believing them to be a one less book that I would subject myself to. But having had my eyes open to many wonderful stories from the three of you gentlemen, I decided to give it a try. And this is in parentheses, R.I.P. Fark Marrington. Uh, alas, my preconceived notions were correct. The story was very poor. This was pretty similar to the Hawkeye Secret Avengers book that came out a few years ago, also boring. The Mobius-like illustrations were cool, but not even Doombot could save a Pym-led team of soulless heroes. The reveal was disappointing. I actually went on to the next issue to see if more was given, but it moved on to the next event in humanity. Sigh. Oh, Marvel. Jonesy, please don't die. Dale, please keep drinking. Slim, don't isad. And that uh, stands for, of course, eat S and die. Happy holidays, uh, Roy. P.S. I watched the trailer for Lady Snowblood. Did Quentin Tarantino have to pay royalties? I think maybe I stole this opinion from Roy. Wow. Uh, also, are you guys reading the new Moon Knight series, Warren Ellis? Mm, holiday treat. Do you have to uh, pay royalties to Roy now? I do. I have to, uh, Roy, I, I'm going to PayPal you my opinion fees. Uh, just let me know what email is good for you. Opinion royalties. Podcast first. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Roy. Well, I mean, thanks for uh, thanks for the Avengers AI review. Apologies that uh, we couldn't sway your opinion. We'll just have to respectfully agree to disagree. And uh, if you ever find your way to a, a paper keg meetup, sir, we'll just have to talk about it in person, huh? When is the next paper keg meetup? Oh, my God. Yeah. We got to do it before July. We got to. Think so? Let's have a winter meetup. Maybe, we, maybe we we go to, go somewhere else. We don't go to Barcade. Maybe we 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 spread our wings. Oh yeah. Maybe we go to a bar that has karaoke. Oh my god! Oh. Jonesy just died. He he just. Jonesy's got juices everywhere. Oh. His water pill just made him excrete. <laughs> excrete, awesome word. Uh, PK karaoke. As I've already called it. Jones, that's why you're not VP of uh, merch, <laughs> I'm not marketing, anything. I read, I think... PK f- Sings? I think I read the first two or three issues of Moon Knight. It wasn't bad. It just felt... Um, whoa, 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 whoa. He's whoa. writing us in. You've only like, read the first two issues of The Warren Ellis Moon Knight? Yeah, the first two or three issues. Oh, my word. Um, it's I th- amazing. I, I forget what we ended up saying about it on the show, but it felt... I think every issue felt something. I can't remember what it felt like now. I I really loved his run, I, but I think I I started to get like annoyed that it was just kind of one and done. Yeah, Brian Brian Wood kept up the vibe a little bit, but I only read the first issue of Wood's run, and I think I have a few on my mm. tablet, but I haven't read it. I think they're getting another creative team anyway. So Wood's run was only like four or five issues. Oh, geez, already. 
Um, the the massive just came out. The last massive either comes out this week or next. I heard uh, really something yeah. on his Tumblr or somewhere else where there was like a sci-fi twist, or did I just misread something? Oh, I don't know. There's like a science fiction ending. Oh. We should do that for a book club episode. Hmm. Yeah, it's thirty issues, man. Ruck of that sob. Yeah. Uh, next letter comes from a friend of the show, Joe C. Dear Paper Keg Gents, just wanted to send a note thanking you all for the podcast. I recently started listening and have enjoyed every episode I have listened to so far. The format is great and your insight is very helpful. Additionally, you have really expanded my reading list with some of your uh, book club recaps, I think is the... uh, Book of the Month Club? B-O-M-C. B-O-M-C, Book of the Month Club, yeah. I recently picked up Fury Max. Old Man Logan and Spider-Man 2099. Fury Max, top 10, right there with Shadow Show. <laughs> <laughs> royalties, got to pay royalties. Uh, thanks for the suggestions. I was also pleased to hear that the comic shop was a sponsor on your podcast. Titus, Sarah, and Duffy are a shining, exa- a shining example of Sorry, how comic shop owners slash operators should be. Always helpful, insightful, and understanding. That's all I wanted to say, but I thought I would toss out an idea for a book club. I recently read Tomb of Dracula Volume 1. It was pretty awesome, and you may want to give it a try. Thanks, uh, Josie, Wilmington, uh, Delaware, uh, a.k.a. Murdertown, USA. Which is true. Yeah, According I saw that Josie's news retweet. I, I would love to read Tomb of Dracula Volume mm. 1. Yeah, cool. We haven't done like an old Marvel book. Yeah, like, like the oldest Marvel we book we've done image. was like Craven's Last Hunt. Oh, oh man. I would love to do something older than that. I mean, yeah. yeah. Something. Uh, I love Craven so much over the hardcover. Hmm. Tomb of Dracula, Devil Dinosaur still on the list. That gets oft, oft ignored. <laughs> you know, let's just move Halo and put uh, Tomb of Dracula <laughs> in that slot. We cannot move Halo again. <laughs> Never. Halo has been brushed <laughs> off. Like, at I don't know what times. to compare that to. It's been postponed probably at least 10 times yeah. in our document. <laughs> and it probably wouldn't even be the lowest downloaded episode. <laughs> it probably be the most because it's got Halo in the title. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And people want to see what it's people about. People think it's a game review of that collection they just released. People will be searching YouTube for the word Halo and we, and we just end up getting plays because of it. <laughs> if it plays for less than five seconds, it still count. Who knows? Who knows how that stuff works? It's all voodoo. Do we have any other letters, or was uh, Joe the last one? That's all. We did get a uh, live tweet Uh-oh. Uh, in off the wire. Uh, somebody's watching us at somebody's Zach Fig you. on the Twitter. Uh, Woods Run is scheduled to last six issues. There you have it. Thank you, sir. Thanks Thank for you. watching. We got, new in- we got a new intern. Yeah. New show intern. Uh, we, we pass it from Matt Double H's faltering hands to you, <laughs> Zach. That's an old. That's an old Paquet line, I think. I, it, I that's pass where the baton I from. from my faltering hand. What a show! Next, Next good quotes. Week, huge episode. <sighs> oh yes, yes. Maybe the biggest we've ever done. Speaking of Fury Max. Oh my gosh, Goran Parlov returns. Mark Millar. Good lord. Starlight. The book that kicked off the old man. Genre of comic books. We'll read it next week. Goodbye, everybody. Happy New Year. 
So Robin Rises, what do you think? I thought it was great. Uh, the the that one off that yeah. final Alpha issue, Omega, yeah, I whatever it's it. called. I'm in, I'm interested to see what they do with the power stuff. I don't know. Kind of hesitant on that, but maybe they're doing that as like your draw to get keep reading. Otherwise, it's just like he's back and then back to the norm. Maybe they're doing it so that it's not the norm. Uh, a new norm, if you will. The new norm. The new. The norm. norm, as they say. Who says that? They. <laughs> right. What was the? Was that what I said to talk about in the fireside? Did you have yeah. another book that I said? Okay. Uh, I maybe. That was maybe. It. Might I have guess. been uh, Spider Man and the X Men, but we ended up talking about it. Yeah. Um, I read uh, Uncanny X Men. That's that's a story that seems like it will never end with that omega level mutant. Holy smokes. Man, I tell you, I am <clears throat> I am three uncannies behind and the uncanny that got pulled out of my bin on Wednesday still had the X Men sitting around Xavier's desk with uh, the will. What issue did that even start? It feels like it was I mean, I'm gonna look it up right now. Uh, it's Man, been oh, oh. it's been Five issues, at least, I'm going to say. Uncanny X-Men. I, I, so. I, didn't even, I didn't read it yet, but I'm like, what is this still doing? Why is this still a thing on the cover of this book? Yeah. And I love Uncanny X-Men. It's been great, but... 20... The, the Will and Testament started in 23. And we're now in 29... And Cyclops is still just talking to this mutant, trying to get him to, to attain innocence. And I mean, I feel like that—that that, I feel like that conversation started in twenty six, twenty seven, and that—that's not even an exaggeration. Like this, this conversation between them has been going on for maybe three or four issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I, definitely. Because I think at the end of twenty five is when they finally when they approached him. I believe. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Like, that is bonkers. Anybody read uh, the conclusion to Axis? Oh, oh boy. I, I mean, I texted I texted Dale uh, my thoughts on that. I don't even know if I want to get into it. Oh, please, let's could just you? Sit, let's just say that I texted Dale about right. it. That's, <laughs> we'll leave it there. <laughs> that it was, uh, the book was a big D-head. <laughs> Pointless. No comment. Pointless. There was no point. Did you love it? Is that why you're afraid to speak about it? Poor Terry Dodson. I just... Was he handed scripts the day before that book went to press? That's the only explanation I can think of with his art at the end of that book. I just feel bad. I feel bad for whatever happened. Mm. That's it. Maybe they've reached out to Terry, and they're like, Terry, we're sorry to do this to you. You have two hours. Thank you, Terry. Uh, <laughs> just email it. Brevort at... I need these 10 pages in two hours. <laughs> yes. Because, I mean, that feels like that might have happened. I'm totally fascinated by how you even plan... This is even, like, my opinion on the ending of the book. I'm just fascinated. How do you plan a nine-issue or ten-issue, like, bi-monthly event with three different artists 
and inkers. I'm just I'm I would love to see a documentary about it. Oh yeah, I would Absolutely. kill myself if Absolutely. I had to do that. I just I just want to talk about one panel in particular, and that's Doctor Doom sitting on his throne with the Red Skulls comic, like Batman Adventures, uh, Paul Dini face that he's got on as a total departure from every other single thing drawn in this series. And also, did this event happen just so like four people could be the opposite of their personality? Like, is that why? Even Leanne you had pages at the end of that book that were um, not normal Leanne you. I'll say that. I can't believe you went up against... He's one of your favorites. How I can't believe I haven't it. said anything about his work. You just said he had pages that weren't. Lionel U, not. Um, well, Lionel U's not really my boy. I mean, I love his stuff. I love his older stuff. And that Superman new, we did that Superman. Oh right? God! Just, I mean, I just lost. I just lost just, everything that I had in me. Just splooded, right there. Splued. <laughs> just his, knocked his, over his, your Christmas tree with your, uh, with your force. My Christmas tree just went primal. The, Did the you new, show at your receipt? The new Lionel U monthly Lionel U is not my favorite. He's been doing like Avengers, and he's shifted his style, I think, to accommodate the monthly grind. And it's just a different Lionel style than, say, Birthright or Secret Invasion. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that I started that. with um, Nemesis, maybe? I feel like his newer style. Oh wait, no, Nemesis wasn't him. That was McNiven. I'm thinking of a different one. Century. Um, no, maybe that was Century. It was Jay Lee. Actually, no. What was the one he did where the kid? It was like Shazam. Do you remember that one? Supreme, Super. Oh yeah, Supreme. I think. Well, it was. I don't know if it was Supreme. Superior. Superior. Oh, that was it. I think that was his last like great style. That was before he shifted his style. Who knows. I'm just some schlub. You just know, some guy. These books. Some good-looking, beard-having schlub. That's all I am. Yeah. Gorgeous. Gorgeous man. That's what it, that's what it boils down to. Hour three. I mean, that could that could be the magic number right there. Unless we have anything gonna, else anyone wants to talk about. Stop. I think it should end on you self-proclaiming uh, yourself to be so awesome. <laughs> <laughs>